searching for Canada's best startups. The Pitch Please Podcast. Hosted by Mike Thibodeau. Give us your best pitch. Pitch please. Three, two, one. Connecting with Canada's startups to learn about their business and the amazing people behind them. Follow along and hear some of the most interesting ideas in startups from across Canada. It's Mike here from the Pitch Please podcast. Today, I'm joined by two special guests. They're also sisters. We've got Almira and Delia from Mavis. I'm going to hand it over to each of you to give yourselves a quick introduction of what your role is at Mavis um, and maybe tell us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, thank you so much for having us. Really fun. This is my official, I think, the third podcast. I've never done it with my sister. This is extra special. So I'm Delia. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Mavis. I've been, I'm a marketer. My background is in marketing. I've been in marketing for over 15 years, mostly working in tech, mostly working for SaaS companies. I work for IT companies. So I have a full, good holistic understanding of how technology works and when it comes to marketing i would say i'm a generalist in nature but if i were to work for a bigger robust marketing team i'd probably be on the demand gen team and lately i've been into creative storytelling in terms of developing my personal brand and delivering that um, human to human connection through sharing my entrepreneurial journey with the world, which I'm become a fan of. And now I've been preaching that to all other marketers. And I'm going to let Almira say hi. Hi, guys. I'm Almira. I'm um, also COO and the co founder of Mavis. And I'm actually Delia's sister and a partner. So I am also a marketer by chance. We both ended up by, in a marketing career, and I've been uh, marketing for over 17 years, spanning from different companies, mainly though in tech as well, B2B in tech for the last 10 years. It's been an interesting career, beautiful journey, but I'm so now ready for the entrepreneurship, which we just right now evolving. Honestly, in nature, I'm actually a marketing, I would say like I'm a Call to action marketer, the one that actually brings conversions, actually works on the campaigns that I believe in that truly can work and bring you results. That's been my kind of model throughout all my career. So I'm excited to be here, Mike. Thank you for having us. No problem. And I'm, I have to ask, although I feel like I've sort of heard it in both of what you were saying, it sounds like, Elmira, you like data. And it sounds like, Delia, you like telling stories, but how did you determine, or was it just a natural fit, who's CEO versus COO? Was this like a rock, paper, scissors? <laughs> was it super simple? I would say I also love data, but also love storytelling. I think, Elmira, do you want me to take it out? <laughs> I think originally the need for Mavis originated in my mind. And I think that's just how, like, I brought the idea, very raw idea to Elmira. And then since then, we've been developing the whole thing together. So I think just naturally, because it started in my head, it was just like a, a natural fit. Okay, that's good. You didn't have to duke it out. Mavis, how did you come up with the name? We'll talk about the business. So if there's like elements about the business and how it works and what it is, like, we'll get to those after. But I'm always curious of like how people arrived at the name of their company and, and maybe we should spell it out for people too. So it's M-A-V-U-U-S. Um, how did you come up with Mavis? I can take this one. Yeah, it's been like, honestly, like sometime we chose the name. We worked with a beautiful consultant who helped us through that as well. And we, um, it was kind of like different, different versions. So we're very creative, but we really believe in a made up names. This name is actually made up of two words. It's Maven, which is the expert. And then us, so it's connecting experts. So it just made sense for us that we're connecting experts together between in Mark. Um, that's how we came up with this thing. Super cool. And in this consultant that you worked with, is like their specialization in coming up with names? Like, was it an agency or just someone you knew? Obviously, uh, we'll talk a little bit about your business. So maybe that's by extension how you knew of this person. But yeah, how did you find this person? She's freelance consultant that was actually my first boss in a marketing career and we've been working with her since when it comes to like marketing communications and like coming up with new visuals and branding and creative like wordsmithing I would say she's the best her name is Sandy Chambers and yeah when it comes to like 
creative. She's my most favorite person to work with. So again, if anybody ever needs a recommendation <laughs> on a great creative marketing consultant, Sandy's just awesome. So many seeds to your business idea. I love it. <laughs> it's funny because there's a there's a there's a company, one of the earlier on ones, their name, they went through a bit of a rebrand. And to do that, they hired, I guess, the same agency. I didn't even know this was a thing. But they hired the agency that also named like the Baconator from Wendy's. And so I guess there's whole businesses because you scribble down names, you move letters around, you spell words weird. And sometimes that process is really hard for people. So people definitely do. Some have something that they've always thought of. And so it's always cool to hear, hear the stories. Now, you're both backgrounds in marketing. Now you're both full-time founders and entrepreneurs. Did you always think you would be founders and entrepreneurs of a startup or a business like this? And do you have, I know you've talked about the fact that you were at some, some larger companies before, but do you have like entrepreneurial ventures that you've had previously in your life? Or is this like the first one? This is the first one for both of us. Did we, Elmira can speak for herself, but did I always want to be an entrepreneur? I always had an idea that I might want to try something on my own. And the truth is, I always thought maybe like marketing consulting just because I'm in marketing. But I also like it wasn't, no, it wasn't my goal. Like I would say five years ago, I was on a very strong path of, you know, growing into a marketing leader, becoming that CMO. But then at some point, I was honest with myself and just knowing and experiencing how the corporate culture usually works and just all the political drama and like we all know how that is. I was just honest with myself and I've decided that I that's not going to be my path. I don't want to grow into a CMO and work for like a large company which just I think it would make me happy because I would be so fulfilled and proud of myself but it wouldn't make like my soul happy I wouldn't be a happy being but made it a goal just to work for myself at some point but I didn't have an idea what that would be but the funny thing with the universe how it works is that once you like set your mind on something it will give you an idea eventually and like literally like a little bit time passes by, I get an idea for me was when the whole journey starts evolving. So for me, it was kind of like a natural evolution. First, I decided that, hey, I don't want to work for a company. I want to work for myself at some point, not knowing what I want to do. And then naturally, I got an idea for me that's kind of out of nowhere. Right, I, I, and I will want to hear about that nowhere because it had to have come from somewhere. But I'm gonna, we're going <laughs> to come true. back to that. But uh, <laughs> I'll marry you. What, what's, what about you? No, for me, it was actually the opposite. Like I've been always, not the opposite, but I've been always wanting to be in just the corporate world. I've been going for the VP and CMO roles and I've achieved that the VP role at some point. Yeah, the step, next step would be CMO probably. But um, I was just, like it was a really sudden change for me. I would say that it was Delia who like inspired me a little bit. But it was like for the last two years, something just changed for me and I was in a good company and everything. And it just, something just internally changed for me, you know, when I knew that that's it, like, this is something I want to do on my own right now. And uh, when the idea came along, this was like just a confirmation. Um, so yeah, it wasn't like that for like many years. It was just always corporate. And that's when I announced it to my company that I just left. And it was for everyone, it was kind of a shock because Amira was always this corporate lady. <laughs> So yeah, it's, I guess, the life evolves you and you just, uh, suddenly you're really interested in something else and now like I'm fully loving the entrepreneurship, so. <laughs> so Delia's not just your sister, she's a great salesperson as well, oh. it seems. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Maybe let's talk about that a little bit. You never expected to be an entrepreneur, never mind with family. How is that? Is there ups, downs, pros, cons? Like if there's other people thinking, you know, I think one of the hardest parts of starting something is oftentimes finding people you trust. So maybe that'll play into this. But then there's also, you know, people that will say you shouldn't mix work and family or business Mm -hmm. and family. So I'm sure it's a big question on people's minds. So I'd love your honest thoughts respectively on on how it is and what are the goods and the bads or things that people should consider. 
Yeah, we hear it quite a bit, like don't mix business and family. And I think that honestly, I can't say that's not true. I think it honestly depends on your natural dynamic with your family and like your sibling in my case. In our case, like it's not a risk and it will never ruin the relationship just because of the nature of our relationship from the beginning. Like we're such a tight-knit family and there's so much trust and there is like we're so close and um, there is so much integrity in our relationship that starting to work on Mavis and starting to develop business together was never going to put that at risk. Is how is it different from like a regular, let's say, just a coworker or working with anyone else? I would say a lot more, just a lot more open and a lot more, you don't hold back. For, yeah. for example, if like with your coworker, you don't like something, you're going to be very diplomatic about how you deliver feedback because she's my sister. And like, unfortunately, sometimes I still treat her as my sister. So like the feedback or like whatever is just like a lot more immediate, a lot more open, a lot more, a lot less diplomatic, (laughs) which I think in a way helps because we kind of discuss the problem on the spot with your feelings. And sometimes things get heated because again, we're sisters. But at the same time, there's no holding back. There's no like, oh, I've been feeling this way for a couple of weeks and didn't know how to deliver it. Just the typical things, how it is with coworkers, because it's your sister. It's kind of like happens on the spot. It's more heated, but I think a lot more effective in a way that like resolving the yeah, issue. The, the immediacy of the, own, yeah, the, immediacy of the feedback is like, helps you move forward faster yeah. over time. Sorry to interrupt, Omer. No, and I would say that it's also has helped us to improve our relationship overall. So, you know, it's actually helped us to like, because of this deal you said, like some things that came up, we started like communicating better. We started to be more open and to set on spot. And then you think that we never fall back. And we also, you know, it's just somehow easier even started in our relationship as sisters as well. So it's interestingly worked perfectly for us. And, um, but again, the delay is right. Like it started from a very solid relationship, which is, our family has and my sister and I had always as we like best friends as well and I think that's what probably like helped us big time too super cool is there any um any element of something that you think people should ask themselves before getting started in a business with family I think it's just um kind of like what are your relationship currently at right like if um Let's say, do you trust that person? Like, I mean, we know many examples where people don't even trust your sister or brother or whatever, right? So it's a, where are you at in your relationship? If you don't feel that you have a, a good, like, oh, kind of like okay relationship, but not the best relationship and whatever those reasons are, I don't think you should go into the business with that person. It doesn't matter if it's a friend, if it's a stranger, or it's, it's but especially families can get heated even more. So, and I've heard many stories where the family didn't work in the business. So, but I think it all started from, that that initial relationship was not the best. For sure. Any other thoughts, Dila? That... No, I would absolutely agree. Yeah. All right. Totally hard agree. hard question. Who's the smarter sister? No, no, no. <laughs> don't answer that. Actually, I have the answer. We we don't want a live debate. You're both in like the marketing and brand space, and obviously that inspired. Well, I guess we'll find out. But I think that inspired some elements of Mavis. Is there a company that either of you sort of like look up to? And if so, which company is that and why? Why do you look up to them? Yeah, I'll take this one first. It's actually, I'm looking up very much to Apple. Why do I look up to it? Because for me, first of all, I've read the bio of the job, Steve, and, and then I also know kind of the story. And for me, it was always that he believed in the product, no matter what happened through his journey and how many fails he had, and etc. He still believed that he can build something very innovative for people. So that's like the vision, you know, that he had, like, and the belief he had, like, really inspires me. And secondly, that just the product innovation that they had through the years. And again, somebody, like a lot of people told him that this is, this is not going to work. And you're trying to create some something that nobody need, will need ever. And there's so many already companies out there doing this. And he still believed in it and he still believed in that innovation. And for me, that's really inspiring. You never should stop in what you believe and proceed with that idea. And where they are right now. So that's what for me, the the company that inspires me. Yeah, that's a good one. Like I don't have like a specific company that I like look up to. There are probably many. 
but what I typically admire in companies is the type of leadership that they create where there's a lot of liber liberty for employees to do their job without necessarily like conforming to the nine to five or being online or I don't know, like taking days off or whatever. I guess I also got spoiled a bit because I've been in tech and a lot more laid back in tech in companies that I worked for. But it the always like I always look up to the type of leadership that yeah, like nurtures the uh, the liberty for their employees to have enough freedom to work, but also thrive with creativity, thrive in their personal lives, etc. Because honestly, like in my humble opinion, like the culture that nurtures like nine to five, you know, two three week vacation, to me it's hard to thrive with any kind of creativity there with any kind of like creative work or create a lot of joy. So yeah, these are the types of leaderships I look up That's to. Cool. I'm excited to see if elements of what you admire has made its way or will continue to make its way into Mavis. So maybe let's talk about Mavis a little bit. Before we do, your best pitch, please. <laughs> been waiting for this. We're practicing for six months now. <laughs> Essentially, uh, what Mavis is, Mavis is a freelance marketplace for marketers or businesses to find best quality providers based on personal recommendation. The truth is, we all know there are existing freelance marketplaces like Upworks of the world, but they tend to lead with quantity versus quality. And we haven't been in marketing for many years, always kind of tend to rely on our inner network to seek those best quality providers and to validate our idea. Initially, we also conducted primary research and 74% of marketers said that they always, they struggle with finding good quality providers and they always go back to their network to ask for recommendations. And interestingly enough, the service providers, on the other hand, also said that the best quality leads come from recommend recommendations or their inner network, and they don't really have a lot of success with the with the upworks of the world and the type of leads they get are really low quality. So it just seems like seemed like the stars were aligning and the need came from the pain points came from our own day-to-day -day needs being marketers ourselves so it kind of came from our own experience we validated that with the further marketing audience and it got validated so that's how the original idea for Mavis was born and that's what Mavis is today basically the biggest difference is is the personal recommendations it's finding talent through your inner network which in truth these conversations are happening every day on LinkedIn, Slack channels, emails, texting. So Mavers just enabled that platform to do that in an easier, faster, more efficient way. So it's a super human-centered approach to the marketplace around talent. Um, it sounds like it didn't just start out of thin air. It started out of out of some pains that maybe you were dealing with. Can you maybe talk to me a little bit about and share what were some of those frustrations and what was the tipping point and sort of when that light bulb ignited around this could be a company and we should start this company. I have a story, but Delia probably will like evolve in this as well. We, I've had a really bad story a few years ago at my job where, you know, I was a VP of marketing and I, we, Basically, we needed a new provider for the exhibit booth, like large exhibit booth, one of the biggest shows. And we, with my events manager, we found this lady online, even though we thought there was other companies that we knew that were on her recommendation list, on her testimonial list, sorry, not recommendation, testimonial list. And we just went for it. We kind of like, you know, talked and she was amazing on the phone. She met with us in the person. Um, and it turned out to be the, my biggest nightmare in my career um, because she... Um, she just deceived us so much. I still have goosebumps bumps right now. I'm talking about it. She deceived us so much. She delivered a very poor, poor job. It was a horrible, like 
looking booth. Like she, like it was late with services, everything. It was the largest show that everyone was just, you know, like our company, like a lot of the leaders were there from our company, et cetera. So this is a really bad experience where my reputation was shaken, shaken, you know, like, and, um, and we, we not only just had a poor job, but we also lost money when she overcharged us many times, they can ended up like dealing with lawyers and et cetera. So it was a very bad, like crazy story. And that was just actually happening right beside we, like when we were thinking of, we actually, I think were coming up with Mavis. Mavis and I think maybe even at that time I was telling Delia, you know, somewhere in her will we come and we crying to each other about things, you know, and I was like, just how bad is happening? And I think that's approximately when Delia came up with this idea because we like, and like basically had this bad experience, at least from my side. Delia, you can take off this one. Yeah, definitely. Like, I don't have a story that is as bad, but I've also been burned by providers, just finding them online on existing marketplaces. And it does put your reputation at stake, right? Because you're delivering a project and here's your provider. So random provider you found uh, is uh, not delivering. It like puts you, that's sort of a risk, right? Like your reputation is at risk. And because Almira and I would always exchange contacts with each other, since the beginning we've been in marketing, it was just uh, basically we exchange contacts with other marketers too. So why can't we just create this network where marketers and businesses kind of get together, a community per se, and just exchange their favorite providers because they are hard to find. So that's essentially how the spark or the light bulb yeah, either up. a good sparks, light bulbs, any of the above, <laughs> any, anything that provides your source of fuel. I. <laughs> It's interesting because as you talk through it, we talked earlier how foundational the trust in your relationship as sisters was to becoming co-founders together and how people at the center of these items and how you've had poor experiences built on and lack of understanding people. And so it's cool how those two things have sort of come together, that human connection is truly at the center of what you're building. Um I want to learn a little bit about the types. You know, you're talking about businesses, you're talking about marketers. Maybe help me understand the sides of the marketplace, the types of companies. Like, is this like for large companies like Microsoft or Apple? Is it for smaller companies? Are the marketers all independent consultants? Talk to me a little bit about those audiences. And it'd be even good to understand the types of marketing services because it's so wide. Like, what could you find on, on Mavis? Let's, let's talk to, through that a little bit. Yeah, totally. It's easier for me to start with the types of services. So it's basically freelancers and service providers slash vendors that are in a marketing sphere. So anything that a marketer, marketer would need day to day. So starting with developers, designers, videographers, content writers, social media managers, marketing consultants, lead gen consultants less specialists anything to do with the marketing sphere that's what Mavis is all about and these are the type of talent that you would find on there SEO specialist PPC specialist etc etc right when it comes to the different like audiences for Mavis so in a perfect world there are clients on there which are either marketers or businesses who are looking for, you know, specialists for their marketing needs. They need an SEO consultant, they need a marketing consultant whatsoever. And then on the other hand, there are the service providers. They provide services, right? They're usually, they could be freelancers, they could be agencies. So it kind of varies the type of, the type of organizations they are. And in terms of the clients, are they smaller businesses versus larger organizations? I would say today we are getting our requests from organizations of smaller sizes where the marketing team is not too robust. I would say five people and under. But because sorry, we're so... Five people are under marketing teams or five people are under business marketing so under like marketing businesses team, yeah. like smaller, like, like sub 300, 500 employee type businesses? Okay. Yes, Sorry. exactly. And smaller. Yeah. 
I guess I'm looking yeah, at robust. the market engines, how robust they are. But because we're so early in our journeys, we are always uh, still obviously developing the product roadmap and trying to add like more value to the platform to create more engagement. So is that going to change and is that audience going to evolve eventually and maybe we'll get into the Microsofts of the world where like a huge robust marketing team leverages Nevis? I just don't have an answer to this question at this point. But today I would say it's a, like the, the smaller marketing organizations that are leveraging Nevis. Amira, what would you say? And the size of the companies, I would say, small right. to medium size, some not large, definitely. But yeah, it's all about marketing teams who like either have like one person or, you know, or it's sometimes even businesses who don't have marketing, they just like, okay, I need a consultant or I need someone for now. And then, you know, so it's, uh, yeah, small to medium sizes. Got it. Can, can you teach me a little bit about how the business, maybe not the business, but I guess your, pl- is it a platform? Like, how does this actually work? How do you do these referrals or personal recommendations talk talk me through that because it sounds like that's a really core element because the problem that you're solving versus i'll say the name but they're not getting free advertising upwork someone like that the problem you're solving is that you're not saying that's not valid you're saying it's more valid when it comes from a trusted referral and so i'd love to understand a little bit more about how this trusted referral system works uh on on mavis yeah, absolutely. So people ask us, like, do you vet vendors yourself? Like, is it vetted by Mavis? So today, the way that it works, it's not vetted by Mavis, by us. It, it basically, the recommendation is as good as your network or Mavis. So have created the circle of 10 people that you think you trust and um, you take their word for it, that the quality of recommendations you're getting. So basically, yeah, as good as your inner circle. And today, the way that it works, essentially you create a profile. There's going to be some recommended contact on there that you could potentially know, maybe through like the first connection or if you log in with Gmail, et cetera, it's going to recommend to you people that you could potentially know. And then we encourage users to invite either their peer marketers or their favorite providers to join Mavis so they could recommend them. And the benefit for those providers is that, you know, they could get more business out of Mavis through the through their existing clients. So that's kind of essentially how it works. The I can be transparent. The challenge is because it's based on the network, the value of the network is the actual network. So we just kind of need to get over the hump of, you know, growing the network where you join and you actually like know a few people. That's when the true nature of Mavis is going to start picking up and like delivering its true value. And that's what it was for. And that's something that we are working on in developing those strategies on how to grow the network versus just growing the user base. Yeah, and I would want to say that it's just if you compare again with Upwork or someone like where, yeah, there was, like I said before, like even that provider I mentioned about one where we saw some kind of a testimonial written by some name we didn't really know. So you don't know the names, right? Here you actually can see the person's name. You can actually see the person's like who it is. You can connect with them on this on this platform. And if you have any questions and some, the person hopefully will respond to you and et cetera. So it's kind of like, you know, more trusting where you actually can see who wrote it and, you know, potentially you can talk to that person. So I think that's how it stand out. Yeah, it's good because I was going to ask about, you know, reviews and testimonials are obviously on all these platforms, but a component here is it's not just a name and a post. You're actually bringing a connectedness to those individuals. Now, do is this like connected in with, I'm hearing like tones of LinkedIn almost, are the two connected or is it similar or is it like LinkedIn is embedded within what you do or the dream is to do that? Talk to me a little bit about how you build up more than a name and a profile to really go beyond a, yeah. a basic there's, testimonial. There's definitely a parallel to LinkedIn because it's the network, right? Like LinkedIn is the biggest professional, obviously. And uh, somebody actually told me like if they were to describe me, it would be like 
Upwork and LinkedIn had a baby and that would be this because there's a component of the network and there is a marketplace, right? So they were two. It's a hybrid between the two, which is, I think, is a perfect explanation. Is it integrated with LinkedIn? It's not integrated with LinkedIn today. And that's something that we're potentially looking at. Again, I don't know all the technical capabilities, but that's something we could potentially bring into me. This just to help with that, like network growth. Yeah. Double-sided marketplaces are always challenging. I think part of it is because it's always chicken and egg. Are you going after the egg first or the chicken first? Yeah. I don't know which one's which in this scenario, but I guess are, is your is your goal as you build this out to go after the marketers first, the suppliers, I guess, or the businesses, um, or is the strategy somehow different? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So today it's obviously well, obvious to me. It's naturally that we are getting more interest from the service providers. Like I would say the user base is today 60, 40, 60% service providers. And it's natural because they're the ones who want to get more business. So they're more keen to join the network and, you know, try it out, create their profile. But for us, we want to keep a balance of uh, getting that, but also inviting enough marketers so they would actually provide the recommendations for the providers and they would bring in their providers. Because again, if we just grow the user base with the service providers, we just become another existing freelance marketplace. So we have to be mindful of and keeping in mind that marketers are equally or maybe probably more important for us to bring in and to bring in their recommended talent. Yeah, and people actually will willing to do that, like when they truly like someone, that's what we observed. And actually that goes back to the part that I think you ask about the overall recommendation. People, when you, people, like, you know how you put something, I don't know, on Upwork or somewhere where you just put your name and maybe like first initial or something here, it's actually the full name and et cetera. So people actually would never do some, would never put a recommendation if they don't truly believe in that person. It's interesting. They only put recommendation when they truly had a good experience. So, and that's how, like, you know, we believe that this is, and people know that and everyone knows that. And um, so you kind of would be naturally trusting that more than the recommendation from someone like actually wrote their name beside, you know. Um, and I would say strategically overall, like we, as Delia already mentioned, but we kind of are trying to really strengthen the network right now as, because, you know, it's really important for us in terms of the people knowing each other, but also like that they see, like, you know, people kind of connect together and also the vendors know, like, together with the marketers or businesses, et cetera. So I think that's the, that's where the naturally evolving into, like, tidying up the network first and then evolving into more usership. And that's Makes it. sense. And, and there's obviously a network effect to it. The more businesses use people from yes, there, exactly. there'd be more recommendations. And I, I do like that, like, right. because you're referring others you have incentive to grow the network a little bit, which which is really cool. And I think you've talked a little bit about um, how you differentiate versus competitors through all of that. Where or how do you make money or eventually make money? I know these things at the beginning are a little bit tough, <laughs> but <laughs> how, does, how does Mavis nice. make money or where do you make money in the, in the entire flow of this? And yeah, so today the model is, and again, it's, it might change because we're so early, but today it's subscription-based. And there is a premium option to that subscription for service providers to amplify their exposure and potentially get more business and more leads. So that's where we we monetize and that's where our right. so subscription based for the service providers, for the businesses seeking great service providers, it's free today. Today. Yes. Today. I always today. say today. <laughs> Things change. You never know when this podcast will be released <laughs> and when someone's gonna listen to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. what, uh, so what stage are you at in the journey? You know, we, we kind of like chuckled a little bit about eventually you'll make money. These things are a journey. Where would you say you're at in, in the journey? Like if you're open to sharing it, how many users or do you have user goals that you're targeting towards like a number in the near future? What's that sort of look like? So today we're over just over 250 users. And as I said, like roughly 60% of service providers, 40% are marketers. I would say where we are in the next six months is we have a, well, I think we have a really good product roadmap where we have a lot of plans to keep evolving Mavis and to keep adding 
a lot more features to add more value to the platform. Because today, as you can imagine, it's quite utilitarian, meaning like you only kind of go there if you need a service provider. But there's a lot more because it's starting to be a community of marketers and like of the marketing sphere, right, of the marketing world. We are adding things like monthly coffee chats where we get together with these professionals and discuss like latest and greatest topics. We're adding a lot more just additional things to the platform that will create a lot more, not only value, but a lot more engagement and stickiness to that community. So we're embracing the community effect of the, of the Mavis platform. That's where the next six months look like. It's evolving the product, I think, which will naturally, hopefully, increase the engagement and stickiness of the platform itself. And we're grateful that we we have like a like a probably about twenty percent, twenty twenty five. Like I think it's natural to have a very engaged users already who like truly like you know talk to us and people that even the new some pe- new people who like joined as well and they also active and you know, the feedback we get and things that we learn and it's a trend. It's just so invaluable. Like it's so like, you know, you're just so grateful for that. So, and yeah, so we truly have this belief that it's going to evolve even more because just based on all this like feedback. Totally. And is this available? I mean, two questions actually. One, it sounds like it's a, a web platform, right? Like it's not an app, it's it's a web platform. Okay. And yep, today. obviously digital the world is your oyster, but is there a specific region, country that you're focused on, or is this national, international? Where, where's sort of the scope of where and how your clients and service providers? Yeah, because it's digital, it's obviously global, but because of the network effect, right? We are based out of Toronto, Canada, so naturally. There is a little bit more heavier gathering from from Canada and also from U.S. I would say I would say 40, 30 to 40 percent of probably U.S. Just because Elmira and I naturally work with a lot of service providers and other peer marketers from U.S. as well. So the heavier, heavier, I guess, footprint today is, is in North America like- for sure. But that doesn't limit anyone to join from overseas because it's a based platform. Actually, maybe this is interesting. Is it generally individuals that join or can agencies also join this network? And if so, what size agency, I guess, right? Like one person, five people, 50 people. How does that sort of navigate itself? Oh, it's open to like, Mainly, I would say individuals today, and but I actually been asked like a couple of times. I have many conversations with new potential users, and some agencies ask that question, like you know, can I sign up a few people? And th- definitely, you can like separately. Um, but something's again on our plan to create something, maybe even for enterprise version or something, where it's going to be for a few people using it together, etc. But for now, it's one by one. Got it. Because agencies could even potentially be a customer. And yeah. maybe a provider at the same time. So it is an interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There is a lot of crossover yeah, for sure. sure. What's been your, start with the positives. What's been like your favorite part so far of building Mavis? Is there like a memorable experience or like a story that you want to share of something that like is very memorable, exciting, energizing for either of you? Well, I'll start, I guess, with this one. For me personally, it was the first launch event that we'd had in October 2022. It was a story that, you know, I'm a big, big believer in events. And when I told Delia we need to do like a flash about it, Delia was like, who's going to come to our event? We're so new, you know, whatever. And I'm like, I think you're not right. Have a good exposure on LinkedIn. You told her right away, very bluntly, you're just not and right. And I'm a big, because big you're believer. Just, just open communication. Yeah. Yeah. And um, she's like, okay, okay. And we found a beautiful gallery for that. And we went for it. We had an amazing sign up, you know, like we had almost like, well, the registrations wise, we had almost 200 people registered, but we got about what's, I don't know, I think about 80 people in on the event itself. But what it also did, it actually did this whole campaign, ended up being a campaign, not just even people couldn't attend and come. It actually turned out as a good promotional campaign as well for me. It was like exposure, the brand awareness was so large and people were just loving it, like texting us saying, so I cannot attend, but like this 
like I'm going to sign up. And we got like a really good sign up at that time as well. So it was a great way to do it, but also like that like just creates this beautiful warm memory of like the, on the launch and how like you got validation right away. And also like how, I mean, I would suggest it to any company who launches because that's that, that creates that awareness that becomes that campaign as well. That's special. What about yourself, yeah. Delia? I would say it's not a specific point in time, but I always get like the fuzzies. We're getting a lot of kudos on our branding and the way we're sharing our story on LinkedIn. Our visual branding, our pink really stands out from the rest of the B2B tag. And just the way we're sharing our entrepreneurship journey, we've decided to go the route of like the more personal branding where we shared a step about Mavis, but also we're sharing our challenges. We're being really transparent. We're being really open about it. So it's kind of like the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we like constantly, which again, gives me the fuzzies, constantly get like kudos. and like, oh, you guys are doing such a good job with your branding. It always stands out. There's like good, solid, foundational, you know, like brand identity. And as a marketer, it's not only a huge compliment to me, my own company and it's very different from any of the I guess brand developments and any of like the types of communications I've done for the companies that I've worked for hence the difference between doing marketing for another company versus doing marketing for yourself obviously you're at liberty to do whatever sometimes you can go with your own intuition which works honestly most of the time and I always say that I wish for every marketer at some point to do some sort of marketing or some sort of like brand development for for their own baby for their own thing because it's just so different i think it's funny because you said this earlier and and if you are a marketer or if you're not a marketer i think it's super important regardless for people to work on their own personal brand it's funny and i i share this story because recently it's come up at, at work if you follow me on LinkedIn, my personal brand is very different, maybe in a good way or a bad way, than probably most of my other peers that work at Microsoft. Most people will take the regular headlines and Microsoft articles right. and share them. And I do too, but occasionally. And you usually pay attention when I do share those because 98% of my other content is actually just me. And, it's, yeah, exactly. and, and it is interesting. And so we're actually having a conversation around it. Um, with some teams, but there's a lot of time and energy in figuring out how to bring your personal brand, which depending, everyone has their own style. But for me, it's like bringing your authentic things that interest you. So people truly know what interests you and follow that. So when you share something like, well, the things that this person normally talks about are interesting. So I'll pay attention. So when I do post one thing or two things about Microsoft, there's intentionality to it. I'm not just sort of parroting. Everyone has their own style, but I think if you're a marketer, everyone should experience the opportunity to do branding. And if you haven't, exactly. at least start with your own personal brand. And I would echo exactly. both of you are doing an amazing job of that from the, the <laughs> short time period that I've been following you both on LinkedIn. I'm taking lots of notes. Trust me. I'm not going to use the pink. I don't think it fits for me. It's not like my authentic self. I love it. Um, but I've been taking I've been taking lots of notes. What about the hardest part or like a challenging memory because it's definitely not all rainbows. We all know that. What's like a standout <laughs> challenge um, or hardship over the you know launch of Mavis that you know stands yeah. out for either of you? Yeah, and again, for me, it's not something that happened once. It's actually like to this day, and I feel like probably I don't know for the rest of the journey. I don't know. I only know the journey so far. It's the willingness to self-motivate yourself every day where um, every day is not as you said like rainbows and sunshine sometimes it truly feels like it might not work or constantly questioning yourself am i brave enough am i smart enough am i strategic enough am i as good as these other successful entrepreneurs or doubting yourself, like maybe you have what it takes to do this and that like willingness to overcome that every day where maybe things are just not looking 
so good today or not so promising or you get a rejection and you get like critical feedback on your platform. It's the willingness to still move forward and to try to change that belief, to try to change that mindset that no, I am smart. No, I do have what it takes. I'm just as good just as those other successful entrepreneurs. I have a vision. I have a goal that I'm going after and that willingness to just move forward every day with the mindset that, yes, I can. And I don't, it's not easy. Yeah. yeah, it's your own internal struggles that you have to kind of push past. Right. Yourself, Omira? Yeah. Yeah, for me, well, it was it's a little bit in the past right now, but I was the biggest thing was because I just left my full-time job what, two months ago, under two months ago, a month and a half ago, and it was a very good role in a big company. For me, it was just interesting enough that it was that challenge, but is everything good? I'm comfortable. I am, you know, paying, paid good money and, um, you know, I have a good respect. Like it was purely good you know, position and the situation. And just the the hard part, hardest part was to believe that I, you know, like to trust that this is what I need to do right now because it's calling me. And I know that if I don't do this, I'm not going to give it a chance. So, and someone actually mentioned to me six months ago saying, are you still working in your job? And I said, yes, I am. And they said, well, one day you'll realize you either go two feet or you cannot go one, one feet there, one foot there. Right. So, and I was like, no, but then you realize it later. And then for me, it was the hardest part to, to build that trust in that it's going to be, you know, I'm going to believe in myself. I know it's, and I know that I believe in this, in my, in this business idea. So like, I do trust it, that it's going to evolve. I can probably mind change and et cetera, but I do believe it. And it took me some time, but honestly, a month and a half when I made that decision, it was so far, it was a amazing decision that I made. And even though I still love the company that I work for and et cetera, but like I'm evolving so much within this month and a half, I've been doing things that I truly follow that I, I, that was the right way to, to, you know, trust yourself, trust the things, but it was really hard. And I know there are people out there who would like still not do that because they just don't trust that yet and et cetera. So it's the hardest part to trust that. Well, congrats <laughs> on being brave enough to, to take the leap. It's funny as I sit here and I like, I haven't done a podcast with two sisters that were family building a startup but it's funny to equally see like some contrast and even how you both are approaching it that are complementary skills like even in your answers you know Delia you've got themes you have themes of things that you know inspire you Almira has got specific examples and those two things need to actually come together right you have like a very specific I don't know if you guys noticed it, but those like yeah. the, you, you, like a bit of visionary themes and some specifics, and and I think it's cool. It's a very contrasting behavior that I'm sure serves you both well, whether you realize it or not. I was just, yeah. I guess that's part of what I'm supposed to do if no, hosting a podcast. Do either of you have like advice for other people's? You know, you shared some good highlights, themes, and specific examples. Some hardships. Do you have like some closing advice for anyone looking to start a startup that you think yeah, you would absolutely. like to share? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, what I've been sharing and what I'm learning and I have learned throughout this short journey so far is that I think whatever your idea is and whatever your like dream is, start taking action steps towards that. Because the truth is, you're not going to be able to see step three if you're still standing on step one. You have to be able to see it from step two. And it's great to have all this like vision and go-to-market strategy and do as much of like research. And again, like create that long-term, again, like vision or whatever that may be. But the truth is things evolve and you're not going to be able to foresee every single little details and things sometimes pivot so as much as you want to create like a you know a great well-researched strategy or in a plan and you want to execute it perfectly mm. that's all great absolutely do that but start taking action steps towards your dream and your idea because again like you're never going to be able to predict what step 10 looks like if you're still standing ground zero so um again Plan, 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 but also start taking steps, start moving. That would be my advice. 
And for me, I'm going to kind of, in addition to Delia's, and it's kind of, that's just my previous point about a trust. So, you know, like if you actually have some idea and you, and I'm a big believer in energy, how do you feel about that idea, right? Does it give you like this beautiful feeling, like it's exciting feeling, how it feels in your body, how like, you know, overall, if you have goosebumps when you think of it and et cetera, like trust that and that you need to make that step towards that idea. So, and as obviously the, st- the step has to be made as Delia mentioned, but I think if you still like you know, like not sure about it check with how you feel about it and if you feel amazing about it please proceed please trust and again even if you don't see it in the steps just that trusting that feeling in you will help a lot so that's my suggestion now as closing thoughts i want to make sure that we can direct people to mavis so if people are either interested in signing up as a service provider or they're interested in signing up to find service providers um where should they think about getting started they can just visit mavis.com and again mavis is m-a-u-u-s.com and that's our website and you can like register from on there and learn more about mavis etc i would also encourage people to connect with us on linkedin which i'm sure mike can share through his promotional things because that's where we share like again as i said not only things about mavis but our our journey being first-time entrepreneurs and what we're facing, like the good, the bad, and the ugly, our story. So I would really encourage people to connect with us on there as well. Well, thank you both for coming on today. I had an amazing time learning and my first podcast with two digital people and both of them being sisters. This is a really cool learning experience for myself. Thank you for spending the time sharing a little bit about Mavis, your own journeys, the highlights and lowlights or struggles along the way. Any closing thoughts on your side? No, not on my end. This was really fun. Again, this was my first podcast doing with my sister. I think, Amira, congratulations. You did great with me. (laughs) So thank you. This was a really fun opportunity for me. No, I have to say thank you. Honestly, Meg, this was really good. And uh, this was actually my first podcast. So that's, I, I love that. And, you know, that was just a very genuine conversation. And yeah, I enjoy doing it with Delia. So I'm looking forward to, to more of this thing together. <laughs> Perfect. As, as long as you have fun, that's the entire point of the podcast. So thanks again for joining everyone who listened in. We'll make sure to catch you on the next episode of Pitch Please. Thanks again. You've been listening to the Pitch Please Podcast. Pitch Please. Pitch Please. Hosted by Mike Thibodeau. Tune in for regular episodes and show notes at pitchplease.ca. And make sure to give us a follow on your favorite podcast platform. Pitch Please, a Bluemex podcast, is hosted by Michael Thibodeau and does not constitute a recommendation for any organization, product, or service. For more Pitch Please content subscribe where you get your podcasts and visit bluemex.io to join us on Discord.